Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. On the planet. With your host, Paul Murphy, and expert coach, Nick Nanavati. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Art of War podcast. My name is Paul Murphy. I'm joined by Nick Donavati. Hello, hello, everyone. Good to be back. And on this episode, we're also joined by Aiden Smalley. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, Aiden, it's a pleasure to have you. You were playing Death Guard. Spoiler, but I'm very excited to talk about it. But before I do, I want to let everyone know that this is a two-part conversation. Part one, you can listen here on YouTube. You can listen anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, Part two, uh, you got to subscribe. Uh, you can do that on the Patreon. You can do that through the YouTube, the website, all different ways to do that. Um, in part one, though, we're going to be talking about the list, maybe some of the choices that you made with the list after we go down the list. Uh, and then in part two, we're going to take some deep dives about how to actually pilot this thing. And you did that. You just won a grand tournament with a list or with a faction that folks have considered struggling for quite some time. And we want to know how you did it. Yeah, I'm super excited to dive into this. Death Guard have been off the radar for like a year, more than a year, basically since the book came out. Everyone's sleeping on Death Guard. And Aiden, Adam, absolutely know where you're coming in here and, and winning a tournament. What was the one you won again? Uh, Team Stonehammer presents the Gravel Pit GT. That's a mouthful. Say that five times fast. Yeah, I <laughs> know, <Yeah>, right? <laughs> but still, you went that coveted 5-0 and winning a GT. That's awesome. Uh, why don't you walk us through what your list was for this thing? Yeah, no worries. So my list, obviously, Death Guard. We're talking single battalion. Um, we're playing as Mortarian's Anvil. Um, so we have two HQ choices. We have a Death Guard Demon Prince, Rocky in Wings, Warp Insect Hive, and of course that glorious Contagion with Gloaming Bloat to turn off them rerolls. We've got Malignant Playcaster, Mazra Pestilence, Cursed Leper, and the Relic Grenade, because sometimes it'll do nothing and sometimes it'll win you a game. Um, we've got three identical units of Plague Marines, five man each, with one Plague Cleaver and one Flay of Corruption. That's the great Plague Cleaver, by the way, not a little bubonic axe, the big boy. Uh, and we've got one more unit of five Plague Marines with just Bolt Guns. Then we're going to be on to the Elites. We have ten Terminators, uh, Blight Lords, of course, uh, all with Combi Bolters and Axes. But then we have three that have Bail Swords, and there's a two Reaper Auto Cannons in there. We have, of course... Staple, Chaos Contempt to Dreadnought, Hellforge Missile Launcher, and two Twin Volkites, because we don't leave home without one at least. Um, we have two units of three Death Shroud. One of them has been upgraded to have the Reaper of Glorious Entropy. Um, and then we have the Tallyman with the good old Tollkeeper, those Exploding Sixes, a Biologist Putrefier rocking the Arch Contaminator Waller trait. And then we have a single Chaos Spawn who comes in clutch when you need him. And then two Chaos Rhinos. It really does seem like a fluffy list now when I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you were talking about this list um, three weeks ago, I mean, it would have probably sounded a little embarrassing. Oh, oh yeah, for, for sure. I, I played some games pre this change versus like Tau and stuff and uh, ouch. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be dismissive at all. I mean, like that's just that was the perception of folks. I know we, we you know we mentioned that some folks have been sleeping on Death Guard, but you know it's a it's a grindy type list and. Um, or, or grindy type codex and faction, and that was harder to do a little bit before recently. Yeah, it, def- it definitely was. Uh, mainly, it, again, the biggest change that's happened, which we'll get into, obviously, is the obsec. But you you want to play this army that has a grindy style of attrition, warfare, taking points and stuff like that. But when it comes down to it, your only choice of obsec at the time was Plague Marines, which are notoriously been up to this point not very tough for a tough unit. <laughs> And Poxwalkers, which given the sort of 
meta that's been happening with a lot of blast uh, airburst weapons. You can imagine how well that ended. Yeah, I think Death Guard have been riding the struggle bus for a long time because their obsec was so easy to just focus out. And then even though, even if you couldn't kill the Terminators, you could throw five obsec dudes on an objective and, you know, do that enough times and Death Guard can't possibly catch up on the scoreboard. Oh, it happens so many times. They just uh-huh. be, you know, Devilfish would come out of nowhere, they'd get the breacher out, one guy toes onto your 10-man Blight Lords, and then there you go. You've lost the point. <laughs> yeah, it's just silly. zero primary. <laughs> uh, so I'm really glad they got the obsec uh, rule because that definitely fixes that issue like right out of the bat. Do you think uh, armor of contempt was super helpful as well, or not so much? Oh, hundred percent. Armor of contempt gave. Like, it's crazy to even just see rhinos go from having like six ups or no saves to getting a six up and a five up uh, against the Tau player. Like there was multiple times in the game where normally I'd have no save versus like plasma, but now I've got sixes and you know, all it takes is a bit of luck and then suddenly that unit that was mathematically dead is no longer dead and now it's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. The, especially I think AP three giving you five up saves, like fives are very spikeable. You can just roll a bunch <laughs> <Yes>. of fives. <laughs> and it did happen. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um so when I look at your list, like you said, it kind of looks like a like a very fluffy, almost a battle force. You got four units of plague marines, two rhinos, some terminators, characters, a spawn, a little bit of everything. What is the the thought behind this army? How does it actually come together onto the table? Um, so basically, the rough idea behind it was to bully the new obsec rule <laughs> about, and basically try and just bully the primary game. Um, so. I've been experimenting with Plague Marines in Rhinos weeks before this change, and that have been going okay. So they have high potential damage, and they have a chance to punch up massively with the Cleavers and stuff like that. So they're a pretty nice include. The only problem is they died instantly. So having the Armour of Contempt really made me not want to just give up all the Plague Marines, because I've seen what they're capable of. So I was like, okay, we're not going to go full Terminator on in here. Plus, actions are important. Still need something to do actions. And don't tell anyone, but I don't actually own any cultists. So, shh. Um, but that's okay. Chaos You're a Death player. It's okay. Clearly, not one who played in Eighth Edition. <laughs> um, so, obviously, that's why I've got four units of Plague Marines. Um, I liked having the option of always putting one in strategic reserves because it opens up something like Teleport Homers, which did get played in two of my games, I think. Well, again, we'll get into that in a bit. Um, but having the option there is quite nice because it's not a, because of the indirect nerf now. It's not a unit with the armor of contempt. You, that can just be like, you know, oh, I can just go and just, you know, like if 10 cultists kill on the side of an objective, you know, you fire some ball guns, it's dead, it's whatever, okay. Five plague marines show up, and then if I manage to get them to touch cover as well, that's kind of going to require you to go and deal with something. <laughs> and the Blight Lord Brick had literally one job, which is when I looked at deployment, I'm going to pick one of my opponent's primary objectives that's on their table half and say mine. Um, I'm just going to literally tread right down the middle to get to it. Obviously, I'll try and stick to cover and stuff like that. But the idea was having a big break that requires so much attention uh, drawn to it that basically you're either going to lose one of your primaries in your your home territory, which will then put me ahead in the primary game, hopefully, or you try and deal with it, which is going to take so much resources, like the Plague Marines and the Rhinos can go up the other flank, etc., and start messing up over there. Um, Dreadnought. I don't think I need to explain why you take a Vulcan Dreadnought. <laughs> it's, I'll run down what it does just just briefly for anybody who may be new. This is something that I actually think a lot of Marine players, no matter what flavor they've they've played, have d- defaulted to this in their list because it seems to just match up really well against things, which we'll talk about in uh, in part two of this discussion. 
but uh, you know, kind of r- run down what it does right now, if you don't mind. Okay, so obviously you get you get your sixteen shots at strength six, uh, AP zero. But um, the way I kind of made my list was like the shooting because I haven't gone for the inexorable play company, which is the one that adds an extra AP. Most of my shooting was AP zero anyway, so AP zero on the Volkites isn't really a big deal because mainly it's there to try and proc the extra hits with Tollkeeper and the Tallyman who try and support both Blight Lords and Contemptor. So you could average, you know, hit on twos with it, real ones, sixes exploding, you're often ended with more shots than you start with. And it's basically just to try and force more wounds on tough targets, plus weight of fire. You know, you roll enough dice, they're going to roll some twos and some ones at some point. Um, so he's just, he gives the list basically the only sort of like long range, long range reach that it has. And it's just it's just really nice, just you know, something like Eldar or something, which again will come into the matchup. It really proved its worth in that game. And in other games, you know, you can you put enough shots into a lot of skulls, it starts taking two damage shots at a time. So, um, as for the Death Shroud that we brought along, um, I upgraded one of them to have the Reaper because I wanted a quite nasty counter charge unit. Death Shroud are obviously naturally quite quite brutal in melee anyway, but having the extra damage free cleaver on one of them. It just kind of helps make that counter charge just a little better. So if you know I was contesting one flank with a rhino, someone pops the rhino and wants to charge the plague marines. Well, you can guarantee you are 100% going to trade that unit because they will not survive free death shroud coming in with buffs up. Um, the second death shroud was a utility sort of pick, and it's sort of the weaker part of the army, which we'll get onto again. Um, I was sort of debating it, but I'll put it in anyway. It's nice to have, but it mainly sort of ended up either holding something in the back or sometimes they go into deep strike again versus Eldar, those plague spurt gauntlets and stuff could come in really useful um tallyman been over just to proc those extra hits and everyone the utility spawn um is <laughs> it's a kind of a game winner in some instances and it can just be a pain for your opponent so a lovely little spawn <laughs> it, honestly it's crazy so 23 points for a single chaos spawn who if you get turn one can 90 percent of games score you a stranglehold on a five objective mission and all you're trading for it is 23 point spawn he goes out he dies he scores you three points god bless you spawn <laughs> <laughs> um but in other games they the way the tables were laid out on the map we always sort of had a big l in a quarter of a table um, so he would often end up standing behind the obscuring, um, but also in the corner just to basically screen out my entire corner, back corner of the map. And against anyone that took stuff like Retrieve Knack Monday, uh, he often, they only, I've never had someone score four quarters against me, and it's all because of Mr. Lonely Spawn, <laughs> just still blocking out most of the backfield. I'm loving the Chaos Spawn in this edition. I mean, just 100%. I'm surprised, I'm surprised you don't have more in there. Yeah. I, I, uh, that, that is something I might be tempted to mess around with. <laughs> Spawner is spawner, super good. You could run like five mans and actually go hit stuff with them. You could run the one man solo thing that's just awesome utility, especially in Death Guard, because you don't really have trash. You don't have small units that can yeah. just go get Stranglehold or be a screen. Like three Death Shrouds being a screen feels real bad. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was great at the games where you got turn one and it's, you know, five objectives and you're just like, oh, there's a middle objective and I don't want to overexpose myself. Go spawn, and he just go and score you those three points. And it's, it's, it's these people say, "Oh, it's only three points." And then it dies, and it's like, you, "Do you realize how big three points is at the end of a game?" Yeah, when, <laughs> some games are won by one point. <laughs> your grindy death guard style. It's coming down to the wire in a lot of games, I imagine. Yeah, it, it can do. There was some. There were some tough ones. Um, the two chaos rhinos, um, though, to finish it off, were basically 
one obviously a way to get two five men. So I only ever put five men inside these rhinos. Some people seem to think I put like ten in each, but I can tell you after an experience I had where I rolled eight ones after a rhino died, I am never putting ten guys in a rhino ever again. Not that it'll burn you like that. You know, once you once you get burned like that, you're just never doing it again. Yeah, never again. I was actually gonna ask you uh, when we got to like, how do you feel about putting ten dudes into a rhino and then like rolling ones <laughs> or God forbid you have to emergency and then like ten plague rings die. Yeah, nope, don't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't do that ever again. That uh, losing about what, like two hundred something near points on the rhino, just dying and rolling once is uh, not a feels good. So um, no, just five hands in the rhino. Usually one is strategic reserve, and usually one, which is the bolt gun squad, just holding backfield or something like that. Which is again something I'd change if I had those damn cultist models. <laughs> um, but yeah, the rhinos mainly served to. Once the Blight Lords would push a flank, the Rhinos would usually go up the other flank with some Plague Marines in it, because again, Plague Marine damage output can be explosive at times, but Rhinos are also nice utility, auto-explode came up a lot, and also blocking movement with a Rhino, you know, you don't care if you trade an 80-point Rhino for like a 200-point Dreadnought, like, woo. (laughs) Yeah. Rhinos are just amazing utility. Just move blocking, jamming up stuff so it has to fall back next turn or shoot the Rhino, whatever. Soaking smites is a big thing for your Death Guard, I'm sure. Yep. I mean, yeah, yeah, flash outbreak onto it as well. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, because it moves relatively quick. Yeah, well, it's pretty for my army. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> rhinos were, were not a choice. Like, like when in the beginning of the edition, and now it's kind of evolved. You're like, I don't mind having these rhinos. That's awesome. Yeah, I used to be super down on rhinos. I used to be like, oh, I've got to waste eighty points. And now I'm like, hey. I'm going to take a rhino. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually talking to uh, to Jack and John yesterday. They were working on a death watch list. And we were like, what do we put in here? And they were like, let's just add some rhinos, dude. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> um, so talk to me about these plague breeds. They're a unit that no one really takes that seriously. They've always been kind of overcosted for their durability and outshined by Poxwalkers. Death Guard weren't a faction for a while. So you had these weird assortment of weapons, robotic axe, plague cleaver. No one knows what any of that does. Why do these things hit hard? You keep saying that they like punch up their weight. Like, what is it? Okay, so obviously your plague rings all come standard with plague knives, which is a basically strength for AP one. Uh, one damage plague knife so plague weapons letting you obviously re-roll the ones to wound which plays into having arch contaminate nearby which changes that to all wound rolls so the plague knives are all fine but i i basically the reason i include the cleaver and the flail and uh, so the cleaver is strength times two so usually eight um ap3 and it's d6 damage which is crazy potential to just knock something out of nowhere um free attacks per guy it does have a minus one to hit so it can be swingy but the idea was having the cleaver in there basically makes your opponent look at that unit and go, all it takes is one hot roll and that king's gone. That big unit can just disappear to one to basically just one good roll because um, combined with a flail of the corruption, which is strength five, AP two, two damage and doubles the attacks, so that's six attacks there. And there is a stratagem called Haze of Corruption, which is for 2 CP, you basically get Age of Sigma damage, which is basically when you deal damage enough to overkill something, it doesn't actually just get discarded, it carries through. So I've had games uh, where I've run into 20 Necron Warriors with like a single cleaver and a flail, and then in that one activation, all 20 have gone poof and no reanimation protocols for you. So sad. <laughs> when you say Age of Sigma damage, what that means is it's the wounds carry through. So, you know, yes. in our game, you know, in 40k, you shoot a last cannon at someone, it does six wounds, great, you vaporized one guardsman. You know, and yeah. in Sigmar, that would beam through the entire squad. 
Yes. So if I if I walked into a squad of intercessors, five intercessors, and I rolled, you know, twelve or a six and a five or something on the damage, it wouldn't just kill two intercessors; it would wipe the entire unit. And your your flail corruption is what has that. It's a two damage weapon it's, that doubles the number of attacks you have. So six attacks, like you said, up to twelve damage being done, and it overspills. So against one and model, the, it's the flail attacks. doesn't innately overspill. The oh, flail. Uh, they lost that. That was the old codex. Basically, it's a two command point strategy that lets any melee weapon in the squad, as long as it's a plague weapon, which the cleaver and the flail is overspill. So the D6 damage cleaver is also spilling, <laughs> as awesome. well as the two damage. That's awesome. Yeah. So the idea is like, yes, it's only a 125 point unit, but if you leave something, you know, a 200 point tank or something nearby, okay, the odds might not be the greatest. But you have to bear in your mind, I am, you know, one hot roll away from one-shotting your massive tank with a with an obsec unit. Don't care what happens, then it's traded up way on its points. <laughs> Do you ever throw CP at like re-rolling a hit on that pus- that cleaver? Oh yeah, yeah. If, if it's yeah. if if I sit there and think this if this connects and this goes through and it's going to make a big difference to the game, I'll chuck a CP its way happily. Nice, nice. Um, that's cool. I've, I've never actually seen Plague Marines used so offensively. I've, I've seen, like, I have a couple bubotic axes in the flail, and, like, I hit harder than just five Marines with nothing. But I've not seen the bus cleaver with the strap for overspilling damage just knocking stuff around. That's cool. I, I just I just don't think Plague Marines have made it on the table very... I mean, you, you said you also don't have cultists, so you... I guess you did, like Nick was mentioning, you did not play uh, the uh, Plague Zombies, you know, back back in the day. Uh, no, I didn't do this. Was it called Death Blossom List? Was it with the cultists and the Abaddon and the Poxwalks and I all that stuff? I called it Pox Cancer because it was very cancer <laughs> in the game. But, yeah, it yeah. was, it was, it was horrendous. Well, there, back in the era, you know, there was Typhus, and you play Typhus with like 140 plague zombies or whatever. It was like that's a, I think it was seventh edition when that was that was hot, but uh, uh, but that was you know you got cultists into it, but cultists, you know, they with the with the way the stratagems and stuff work, do you feel like you're still better off? with the plague marines and then maybe that's that's it do you have some stratagems beyond that one uh that you feel like these guys are good vehicles for okay so there is another reason for it so i have i have ordered some coolies so i'm not saying coolies are useless i would if i could make a change to this list i would drop the normal bolt gun plague marines for two units of coolies just for more actions but the reason that i like the plague marines as well is because um I know it's a relatively underused secondary, but against some armies, set teleport homers can come in really big, especially elite armies that struggle to screen the backfield. And Plague Marines, unlike cultists, can be targeted by the stratagem uh, Cloud of Flies, um, which is basically 2 CP or 4 CP if it's on a Terminator unit, hence why we use Plague Marines. And basically they get old 8th edition character rules, which basically says they can't be shot unless they're the closest target. So what will often happen in those games is an elite army will move forward to contest midboard. You pop these guys into their backfield, start deploying teleport homers for four points a turn, and then when they turn around guns to go and shoot them, you just go, oh, you can't shoot them off the closest target. And then they've either got to backtrack to their own field to go and deal with them and stop those four points a turn, or they just leave you to it and you keep scoring four points every turn. I've never seen when someone take uh, deploy teleport homers with Death Guard. It's such a strange choice. Um, <laughs> Are you just strategic reserving a unit and then they show up out there because no one's screened and then they're just Yeah, because live? you put five pop Plague Marines in reserves and most people are just like, eh, who cares? It's five Plague Marines. They're terrible. Everyone hates Plague Marines. They're useless. They're not going to do anything. And then suddenly they've scored you like, you know, 12 on a primary in three turns and the, so on secondary, sorry, in three turns. And they're like, oh, probably should have dealt with that. 
Well, I guess it plays into the whole thing of you can't just fire, like especially now, you can't just fire SMS or airburst back at this unit because it's not cool. It's, it's it's tough to kill. Not only can you not target if you're not closest, but then if you try and just chip some bolts, you're just going to bounce. So now the cat's out of the bag. We can't, you know, they may not work again, but it, well, of course <laughs> it will. But, you know, because people are thinking, you know, two turns, you know, they, their whole plan is different. And then when this shows up and starts happening, it's like, oh, my goodness. I'm yeah, especially like I said against the elite armies like custodies, it can really throw a wrench in the works and they're like, I have to move back to my board edge. <laughs> yeah, that I could definitely see. If they're like an elite army that's not just screening casually. Um, it definitely, it's, it's such an interesting approach with Death Card. You're like barreling forward with Terminators and Plague Marines and Rhinos, charging your opponent and just kind of being obsec on objectives, which is the usual go-to. But it doesn't seem like you're necessarily building for to the last or taking that defensive lifestyle approach. What secondaries do you typically go for? Uh, okay, so this is a weird one. Um, people keep asking me this, and all of them and none of them. <laughs> I don't really build the list with a secondary mind. Stranglehold kind of innately comes with the army. Um, that's what I'd say is because you've got now really tough obsec Stranglehold, especially on five objective missions, is a fairly safe one to go for. I feel like you know it's not hard to contest that middle point with ten obsec terminators, which you can you know trail some back into cover. Nightmare to remove, absolute nightmare. Yeah, Especially like, when gloaming bloat starts kicking in. Well, you ain't shifting them. I like stranglehold in general because it, it, if you're playing the primary, you're also playing stranglehold. You know. Yeah, exactly. It plays really nicely into playing the primary game, which I said from the start, my entire plan is to pick one of their objectives and say, that's mine now. So if you're ahead on primary and that's your goal to do that, Stranglehold's a bit of a no-brainer there. Um, I bring the single, well, I always bring a Demon Prince and a Malignant Playcaster because it opens up options for the Psychic Secondaries because the problem is, because I have no ability to, you know, like Thousand Sons can do a Psychic Action and still cast, we don't have that. So if I ever pick a psychic secondary if i had a lot of contagion instead of demon prince i basically have no psychic ability outside of just doing my action um which then if you're against people that deny there's no brainer for them to try and deny stuff like that obviously try not get denied try to stay out but i did take in a couple of games uh psychic interrogation um which is always pretty nice especially with the range increase because you can just put it on either the demon prince or the playcaster usually demon prince because uh, i'd rather just drop the one spell and there is extra ways to extend contagion range outside of his spell with flash outbreak um so they were fairly safe to go for as i've said deploy teleport homers <laughs> it was a sneaky one that I took sometimes um, banners is not bad one on the six objective missions because it's fairly easy to sort of, like you said, you can do the whole death guard attritional uh, way of fighting. And even though it's not built for to the last, um, I did take to the last once and it did score max on it because it's a six objective mission. I'm happy to sit here and score banners until the last pretty safely. And then I'll either try and sneak in something like metal interrogation, all of which don't really require opponents to interact with you that much. And you can pretty much score uh, max on. And, um, but I also did take a cheeky despoiled ground, which is the death guard secondary, which I'm probably sure you probably don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like, like despoiled ground. It's one of my favorites, yeah. but yeah, tell, hey. tell us about it. So despoiled ground is death guard, um, battlefield supremacy. And it is, an odd one because basically it has i think it has a maximum score of 18 obviously only 15 you can get but there is four different ways in which you can score points and it's a complete end game secondary um so you get four victory points if you have a bubonic astartes unit in three quarters of the table 
And it has to be bubonic astartes, which is another reason why we don't take cultists and we don't take demon engines because they do not have bubonic astartes. Um, rhinos do, though. Another use for rhinos. <laughs> so if you are in three table cards, you're going to get four points. If you're in all four, you're going to get six points. Um, if you have a unit in of bubonic astartes, everything of this, by the way, requires bubonic astartes, so just so I don't keep repeating myself. Um, if you have a unit in your deployment zone and in their deployment zone at the end of the game, that's another four points. If every objective on the table is within contagion range, that's another four victory points. And if you control over half of the obje- objectives at the end of the game and as you bonic start his unit within holding range of the objective, you also score another four victory points. So there's quite a high ceiling on it to be able to score. And in against games where your opponent's kind of going for a non-interactive sort of play style, you can kind of just use that against them. And then on turn four and five, sort of just go all out to just stand on objectives because I can guarantee you with the new armor of contempt and stuff, he's not clearing you off all them objectives in one turn. It's going to be a grind. And he's, if he's not doing it up to that point, you're pretty safe to score max on that one. <laughs> I've taken it a few times as, as Death Guard, and I've actually maxed it out every time I've taken it. I don't think you can take it every game, because it really requires you're alive and all over the board at the end of the game. That's only going to happen in certain matchups. But if you think it's one of those matches where your opponent can't really kill everything of yours, and you're just going to waddle around the table, and they're going to try to figure out their own scoreboard aside from that, totally take the spoiled ground. You're going to fall backwards into 15 points. Well, is the uh, odds of survival increased, like with the rhinos and the plague marines? I mean, did what in that situation, Nick, did your list look like this list? You know? um, no, my list was super different, and this was like back when Death Guard <laughs> had just come out. I had like forty pox walkers. I had double demon prints. I actually found two winged princes was really good for Despoiled Ground because they're relatively fast as far as Death Guard goes, and they're characters that typically live till the end of the game if you keep them around. So they would just fly around. Um, get into my opponent's deployment zone, be a 12-inch aura of a contagion to put like multiple objectives in contagion ranges, uh, control an objective themselves. They would be really good for turn five doing this, but rhinos kind of are similar if you keep them around. I was going to ask about the contagion range too, because contagion is, because people aren't necessarily familiar with Death Guard in the tournament setting, because we have not, I guess, seen them in rounds four and five very often, uh, how much of a factor was contagion range? Um, so contagion range is huge um so basically for those who don't know if you play mono death guard as a faction you unlock something called nurgle's rot which is the contagion everyone just says contagion for short tongue and basically you get an ever-growing aura uh, that grows as the turns go by so turn one's one inch two is three inches six and then capping out at nine on turn four and anyone that is within this contagion range has minus one toughness, which is huge for when coming into blows because it turns toughness three to toughness two, which is massive. Toughness four to toughness uh, three and five to four. And all those breakpoints really help you in the trading game versus opponent's infantry. Also comes back around to sort of help out with the Relic Plague Skull, which is a toughness check on seven dice, doing mortals, and Curse of the Leper, which is a spell from the same fella, which is a toughness check, which also will end up dealing mortals. So having the contagions around is really important. And then when you play Mortarian's Anvil, it gets even more important because Gloaming Blow is one of the most horrendous ability shutdowns in the game. It's, so, it's probably, it's top three and probably in contention for like top two abilities in the game. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So for those who don't know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so for those who don't know, um, so your Warlord, oh, not a Warlord, you can take as a Warlord trait and that character will gain access to a special contagion which grows exactly the same as the other one 
And basically what it does is if you are within the contagion range, you can't reroll any hit rolls, you can't reroll any wound rolls, and you can't overwatch or set to defend. Um, overwatch and set to defend, honestly, can come in more often than you think, <laughs> especially versus Tau. But mainly, obviously, you can see the power is in the no hit and wound rolls. And it just means that if you have your fury against an army that relies a lot on melee damage output, and you've got your 10 Blight Lords on, a, on an objective of theirs, and they want to come in and brawl you, they are never winning that exchange, ever, because they are getting no efficiency from any of their synergy characters that they brought along, anything like that. And they, while you're also getting all your full rerolls with your plague weapons and stuff like that, and it's just an absolute nightmare for the enemy to deal with. Um, but because you're playing Death Guard, you have, a, you have a stratagem as well called Flash Outbreak, which is for two command points. You can take that special contagion and give it to another unit in your army. And that can, and it also increases the turn count of your contagions by one. Um, and that can be huge because if you then have two spots of Gloaming Bloat, um, you can win on two fronts at the same time. And it often come up more than you think uh, to be able to support, even if you don't win a fight just to buy you another turn because you know it's going to decrease their efficiency and their ability to kill your Plague Marines, Rhinos, etc. It can come in huge. It's honestly the main reason I went for this uh, Plague Company because this is Mortarion's Anvil Special Contagion and it, it, it was honestly a game winner. Yeah, I, I think Gloaming Blow is absolutely fantastic. It's the Death Guard chapter I would do if I was to play Death Guard seriously right now. It, honestly, this podcast is kind of inspiring me to go pick it up again, so you're doing a great <laughs> job. <laughs> um, how, it, it's amazing when you when you use defensively for charges. I'll, Paul, you'll like this story. I actually was playing against Jack in one of our Art of War YouTube streams the other day. I was running Death Guard. He was running Blood Angels. And he slammed like five Death Shroud Terminators I had with... I don't know, like 27 Sanguinary Guard or something absolutely crazy. A lot of Sanguinary Guard. It's a lot of Sanguinary Guard, like all of them. Like every Sanguinary Guard you could take. And he had like the Ancient go in there. So he used Heroic Sacrifice, which was really annoying. It made all of my attacks have to kill this Ancient instead of annihilating all the Sanguinary Guard. So all the Sanguinary Guard just got to wail on me. But you would think, like... Close to 30 Sanguinary Guard in Assault Doctrine in Blood Angels. Doesn't, doesn't matter what we're talking about. Instantly dies. Gone. Poof. These things are like five attacks each or something. They literally killed two. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the back of that Gloaming Bloat? or It was, was, it was a combination of Gloaming Bloat saying no rerolls on anything, and the Foul Blight spawn took away their... It makes them count as not charging. So, oh, God, so um, no plus one. No, no plus one to wound. Um, I had no asthma, so I was minus one to hit and no rerolls to hit. And then... Uh, I was actually no shock tough, assault, I was no. toughness six because I cast oh. that spell on them, so they're like wounding on fives. It was so brutal. <laughs> uh, you said I was going to like this story. Well, I, there were blood angels in it. You like those? <laughs> I also like the Death Guard too. So it's cool that there's that that kind of interaction. But it's neat that there's power in this codex. Again, this is one of those. So you know, with with Death Guard, obviously cool looking models. You know, people want to see them on the table. People like the faction, and it's rules wise. It seems like you know maybe they were struggling a little bit, but it sounds like that they've a lot of things have helped them, you know, you yeah, know, be relevant. They're again. doing great, apparently. Uh, Aiden, like honestly, um, I had one more question for you on that. the The glowing bloat. I, I got sidetracked by my blood angel story, but it was awesome. It's <laughs> it's really good uh, when you use it defensively. Um, to win combats and stuff, because that's when people walk into the range. If you're playing, and I don't want to get too specific into matchups, we'll save that, but if you're playing against Tau or Eldar, they're just shooting you from far away. Do you have any value from it? Do you, like, missile your rhinos forward to try to shut off rerolls? How does it work? 
So there's uh, a couple of things. So um, obviously um, not against two specific matchups, but against a lot of um, shooting armies, it's still usable for obviously the set sh- shutting off uh, Overwatch, um, which, you know, it's not obviously the biggest issue in this edition, which, you know, uh, but I mean, I'd rather not take, you know, potentially, you know, what, 18 plasma shots in the face yeah, of damage no, free. You don't want to get overwatched. You're glad you have that rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm still going to have that. But there is also times when, obviously, like, let's say the, the shooting unit that wants to shoot you is obsec or something, and they need to come close. Because, uh, I mean, even if they shoot and kill, you know, free terminators or whatever, etc., with all their big crisis bomb or something, or die revenge bomb, whatever it wants to be, Something still needs to be on that objective, and obviously a lot of the a lot of the strong units these days, which is like like you said, tiled matchup, the crisis can get obsec and stuff like that. Breaches want to be close, stuff like that. There's a lot of units that even though they do shoot, they can't stay back because they can't kill you quick enough to the point where they won't be behind on primary. They still have to contest the primary review because I'll happily lose ten blight lords by turn, you know, for you know, if I've denied you all your primary points, cool. You can score one turn of max. Enjoy. <laughs> but, nice. but there is times about the where you will just, sorry, where you just fling a rhino up and just be like, hey, you now have to shoot this with something first, otherwise you're getting no rerolls. Or you can really move away and you might put them outside, you know, of gun range or outside of other rules range, Montcar, etc., stuff like that. I was saying, I was talking about the rules, you know, and of course, you know, a little bit of updates here, but you're also, the, the way you're playing it, I mean, obviously very aware of each and every one of your unit's abilities and how they interact with your opponent's abilities, which we'll talk a little bit more in episode two. But, you know, play, playing this army is, even though they're bricky and tanky and can do things and be on the table, it takes a lot of skill. I, I think there's a big sort of misconception that a lot of people have where they think death guard is easy mode because it's you know tanky and hard to kill but the thing that people really don't look at is we like you you hear you hear you guys say a lot you know movement wins games and you have an army that has no movement tricks and is quite slow so whereas someone playing in a faster army can misposition and then recover from it if you misposition as death guard you're locked in that route and you can't you know you can't i can't i can't suddenly swing 10 black lords 20 inches to the other side of the board etc so I think like that the hardest part of understanding and playing Death Guard and the hardest part of learning it for me is understanding how important even on a five inch move positioning is. And sometimes when you have a mindset of doing this thing, even when stuff looks like it's going south somewhere else, you don't have the speed to go and react to it. So don't bother trying to react to it. Just keep gunning for your plan. Yeah, I think that takes a lot of discipline. You basically have to come up with a five turn game plan because you don't have time to figure it out. If you spend three turns going the wrong direction, you can't recover it. So you basically have to come up with a game plan and and never deviate from it, which is challenging. Um, do you find with Death Guard, something I've always struggled with is if, let's say, something bad happens. You lose five Plague Marines that were supposed to win a flank, and they just died like jumps because you rolled that. And uh, now I've lost to mortars. Something. Yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah. Like, how do you recover from that because you can't reposition? So it is a tough one, really. And um, I always try and sort of have a contingency plan, as it sounds. So nothing ever goes off on its own to achieve something because 
I can guarantee you will go wrong the second I send off one guy to do one job. He's going to fail that one job. Unless it's the spawn. Unless it's the spawn. The spawn will never, ever let you down. You can you can pray for the spawn. He will never let you down. Um, but for it, that's why there is the, the two rhinos and the two death shroud units because one rhino with five plague marines can get popped pretty easily. You rush two of them up at once. Now you've got to double the output on there. And again, stuff can go wrong and it will go wrong sometimes. And maybe it's a dice game at the end of the day. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that can innately go wrong. But I always try and have a mindset of mitigating as much as I can and also having a backup so there's always a counter charge around the corner there's always you know this like, like I said there's something in reserves or I've put free if I think my death shroud might need to react somewhere that's where that second unit death shroud can come in because you can put them in deep strike the only thing I'd ever deep strike never deep strike anything else but that to deep strike is okay because that can sort of react to a flank so if you're crushing it with your bright light lords on one flank and you're thinking actually not only can I take their you know, their board half objective, I can take their home objective here, double down on it, drop them in. Now they've got to deal with both of them and you'll crush the home objective as well. Or if the opposite happens, then great, the Black Lords are doing sick on this front, but the problem is the two rhinos just exploded and there's now a Galatus Dreadnought par- barreling down on our Plague Marines. All right, maybe they get, those guys could do with that extra bit of support. So I'll deep strike them in a place behind my Plague Marines because don't risk nine-inch charges, please, people. Please don't <laughs> risk nine-inch charges with Death Guard. Don't tell me that. <laughs> Unless it's the only way you're going to win. <laughs> if it's the only way you're going to win, go for it. You're from behind, try something crazy. But... I'll set it up in a way like, okay, so now if that Dreadnought comes in, at least I have an answer to it with this backup Death Shroud unit. Um, so try and always have an answer to something, but understand as Death Guard, like there, you don't have, like you said, the ability to just flip side to the other side of the board. So have those plans from the start. Try be proactive rather than reactive with your backup. <laughs> uh, so let, let me talk to Lowe's about this. Uh, we have a segment we... It's like a cool combo is called the brutal and cunning or the cunning and brutal, depending on uh, which way you're looking at it. You know, Death Guard, not traditionally thought of as being either one of those things. Maybe brutal, could be brutal, uh, but uh, disgustingly resilient uh, is maybe that. Do you find yourself being very thirsty for command points and do you feel like you have enough? I know you have the tally man in there, um, but what are some uh, opportunities where you think you you know you have to keep a few command points in your back pocket to maybe pull off a sweet command uh, or combo, or do you even need command points to do a sweet combo? Um, so I can burn through a lot of command points if I want to. Um, thank you, Tallyman. Bring me those sevens. <laughs> um, so if anyone doesn't know the Tallyman, every command phase you're in your opponent's you roll two dice on a seven or higher, you do get a command point, which does help with the command point issues you can have because this army can spend a lot. Um, so one of the combos, so we've talked about the combo before with the Plague Marines spilling damage. That's one combo there. You can also make your blight lords kind of just force an and like an absurd amount of wounds onto something with combi bolters um so for i think a full combo is about yeah it's four command points um which is a lot but it did happen in one of my games um basically what you can do is you can change your for what's so for one command point you can change all your combi bolters to plague weapons which is you know real ones to wound not bad but then you have the Warlord trait fella, Violor just nearby, who lets you reroll all plague weapon wound rolls as long as you shoot them within 12 inches. Um, so now you've got 
you know, ballers re-rolling all wound rolls, because obviously you have to be in 12 to do this. But, you know, against stuff like knights, with like free up saves, you can start, you know, yeah, okay, you're wounded on fives now because you've dropped the contagion down. So you've gone from sixes to fives, re-rolling all wounds. Oh, I can spend another two CP, get plus one to wounds. So now we're wounding the knight on fours. Sixes exploding to hit from Tollkeeper, re-rolling all them wounds. And then you can also even throw in, there's another command point. I don't use it too much. Um, it's two CP to give them... Um, any sixes to wound with bolt guns makes them AP four or three, I believe. Um, so people look at your blight lords and think, oh, it's just got combi ballers, you know, who cares about that? It's not going to hurt. And then suddenly you've just like, from just absolute weight of dice and rerolling all the wounds, you've took like 16 wounds off a knight <laughs> from shooting and then you charge it and kill it and they were expected to stick around for a turn. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of command points though. But, uh, but I guess your point is, if you got them and you need them, burn them, don't yeah. look back. How do you manage your CP? Because you're like, flash outbreaks, you're hilarious, plague ring <laughs> combos. I mean, <laughs> how do you actually prioritize these things? Uh, it's the old Spider-Man, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be, yeah, so you do have to be disciplined with them. Um, flash outbreak is not a thing I do every turn. It's sort of when I see an opening or I definitely need to survive something. The spillover damage for Plague Marines is actually quite a rarity that it comes up because Plague Marines, you run into five minutes, you're not probably going to use it. But it's for matchups, you run into Horde units, you know, you've got like, like 30 Gaunts barreling down you. Because even though Horde isn't exactly there at the moment, I don't want to be in a position where I run into a Horde list and I'm just like, well, guess I lose. <laughs> so you can sort of say it for that. The most common thing that is probably spent on is one command point to give a Terminator unit plus one to hit. That's a really nice, easy, cheap, you know, just give either Death Shroud back to hitting on twos with the slams or Blight Lords plus one to hit in combat so they're hitting on twos. That's a really nice one. Vets is obviously as and when you need it, but don't never sleep on veterans. Plus one to wound for two command points uh, for any core unit is is obviously huge. I If I have taken Teleport Homers, Again, I know a bit of a crazy one, and I know I'm going to have to cloud of flies. That's when I really have to. I start looking at my command points, and every time I look at them, I, can, I just act as if I've got two gone. Like there is, there is. If I have six command points, I have four command points because I would rather bank those command points for something that's definitely going to score me points if I use it, rather than something on the off chance my bolt guns, you know, might kill a knight or something like that. I like that. Uh, that is, that's where the discipline comes in, and and like when when to break that. And when not to, you know, it sounds yeah, that's a great you, insight there. You can definitely that. tell you put like tons and tons of reps in with this army, and you know it inside and out. I think it's really cool. <laughs> this is the only army I play. I played it since uh, since all the way for eight, and just I've only just started getting. This is only my second tournament. <laughs> uh, just... Yeah, it's awesome. I wanted to ask about these box walkers though, because every list I've run has box walkers and every list i've seen has some box walkers i get that you don't value them in the former meta with blasts and airbursts everywhere all the time but now that's not really a thing indirect's kind of gone gone away so like why not box walkers um so <laughs> so okay so i've got like a real reason a daft reason a daft reason is i played terminus s for a year and if i'm moving up a pox walker i'm gonna scream <laughs> that's a real reason you know <laughs> yeah playing 120 pox walkers a game is not good for your health <laughs> modern day pain, pox but... cancer still very cancerous yeah um 
second one mainly is uh, so i still think pox talk is a value i don't think they're a bad unit i wouldn't ever say they're a bad unit you know fearless obsec is never going to be bad um my main issue with them was the the fact that they can't do any action except spread the sickness uh, and i don't rate that secondary massively um i think it's too easy to shut down so i'd never take it personally um but I wouldn't say they're a bad unit, and I wouldn't say it was like a decision where I just threw them away out the window dead easily. Obviously, having some boxwalkers around is really nice. The extra point they put on them hurt. I can understand it, but it, it did it it did end up being a bit. Mm. But the problem I have with boxwalkers, and this is the reason I switched to the plague marines, is if something comes along to my boxwalkers, and of course there is the the stratagem to make sixes to hit with boxwalkers do mortal wounds, which is nice. But unless I'm playing harbingers, I don't. I would rather have this the potential for my Plague Marines to explode that huge damage rather than hoping I roll enough sixes on Poxwalkers. Um, so that's sort of the reason I went with the Plague Marines, because I believe the Plague Marines have them have a bit more bit more bite and a bit more threat to them. Because again, if if a Plague Marine comes up to, let's say, like a you know, a 14 wound armager or something like that, which has happened in the past, and then suddenly that cleaver strikes home and it explodes it, and then it's dead. And then with Poxwalkers. They might do, like, say, on average, like, you know, you get, say you get all 20 and there's 40 of them in there, you're going to get an average of, like, six, seven mortal wounds with no rerolls on it, um, which is still great. Don't get me wrong, Poxwalkers do mortal wounds is crazy. But because I went for Mortarians Ambul instead of Harbringers, which gives them the full rerolls to hit, which combos really nicely with the six to hit mortal wound, because then you will kill it, it just makes me look at them in a bit less of a happy light. It's kind of the combination of the actions the Plague Marines can deal with, plus they're innately a bit more tougher. And also, there's the, it's, the ceil- it's the ceiling and the floor for the damage output on Plague Marines. Yeah, you might swing no fours on your cleaver, and it has happened, and it does make you a bit sad. But it's the potential to swing all three hits through, and then suddenly, you know, you've just chunked something huge for like 14 wounds. Yeah. Um, uh, I need to ask the, the hard hitting questions, though. Where are the flash mowers? I was waiting, Paul. I was waiting 50 minutes or however long we've been in this podcast for that question. <laughs> where the flesh mowers? So, um, <laughs> how about this? Asked a lot. Everyone's like, where's the demon engines? Where's the flesh mowers? Where's the... And I'm just, uh, they're, they're good. I'm not going to sit here and say they're not good, but we're also in a marine meta now. So, they're going down from AP2 to AP1, which isn't as great. They can't have, you can have a six inch heroic intervention on them as a stratagem, but I'm playing Mortarian's Anvil, so I have a pseudo-heroic intervention anyway on every unit. And they just don't have any other synergy. They're not core units. The fly, I will say I miss the fly, though. Um, <laughs> fly comes in really nice, plus the extra speed is very nice. Um, but every time I seem to play them, um, they just seem to get picked apart, and I prefer a more infantry-based list of like the, the counter-charges and the you know breachable being used a lot more and being able to obscure the small ruins that aren't obscuring but you know you can actually hide infantry behind whereas the bloat drone likes to stick its back repeller up and be like hey every last cannon please point them at me okay oh, fair answer yeah just curious is there was there's multiple ways to come about this and it sounds like you found a really good combination between durability uh and still the ability to just cause a little bit of disru- disruption uh through but kind of unexpected ways, and I like that. And it looks like a battle force. I mean, GW would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they advertised to you at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, cool. look, it's cool. Uh, this is this has been a great discussion too. I, I like seeing these factions, you know, get do well, you know, because they're they're cool factions. Everyone has 
I don't know. They, everybody knows somebody that plays Death Guard has these things, these things, almost like very common things uh, in uh, in your list that people, have, if they've been a player of the faction for a long time, have. Yeah, and then you I just think, dominate I think, you with it. Yeah, that people were really confused when I posted the results in the Death Guard group. They're like, "That's not, that's not a metal list. What's that?" They're like, "That's not spamming free Volkite dreadnoughts and stuff." It's like Plague Marines. What are those? <laughs> Well, as I mentioned at the first part of the show, this is only part one of the conversation. We're, we're going to uh, wrap this up in just a couple of moments and then get into part two of the combination where we'll actually talk about, you say it's not a medalist, but you beat the meta. So <laughs> this might be the new medalist. And we'll talk about some of the matchups, specific matchups about how to face uh, certain armies, you know, like what we consider the new meta to be, which will be fueled by armor of contempt, Tau, you know, Adeptus Mechanicus is still you know, out there, it's a real thing. Harlequins, Eldari, you know, you, you had to have encountered these along your way in your playtesting. And we're going to pick your mind about how to defeat those with this, you know, two, three Battle Force boxes you've assembled. <laughs> <laughs> you just take three, start collecting, glue them together, and you get an army. <laughs> well, I, I actually do love <laughs> So, you know, Aiden, was there, were there any, like, I guess, standout moments uh, over the course of your of your games there at the grand tournament that you know you really just felt like it's it's all come together um so there was a really cool moment which was wouldn't say it felt like it all came together but it was just a this is this is a bit this is absurd this is silly um i had it was against a world eaters player and we had um 10 red butcher terminators so you know the double fighting con you know lightning claws everything scary unit um charged three death shrouds and murdered them yeah as he would you know paid extra cp for the extra attacks and the extra ap and then he um consolidated and wrapped a playcaster um and then in my turn the playcaster ended up doing like 27 mortal wounds and just wiping the squad oh my god wow yeah um, well on that note uh, <laughs> that's awesome that was, that was, that was pretty 27 funny. mortal wounds oh yeah Let's send it right there. <laughs> that is that's pretty spectacular. Well, okay, folks listening, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back uh, with part two of this conversation, which you uh, get access in through the subscription. But we look forward to seeing y'all there. Uh, Aiden, Nick, anything y'all want to uh, toss in before we wrap up this episode? No, Aiden, I want to thank you for coming on the, the show. You have been an awesome guest, not only because you're playing Death Guard, and I love Death Guard, but you're also, you did a great job articulating how your army actually plays on the table. I feel like we can really take this and go I'm, I'm inspired to play Death Guard. Thanks for that. Yeah, it's no problem. You're welcome. Um, am I okay to just give a quick shout out to my club? Please um, do. Please. Yeah. yeah, so uh, Manchester Hive Wargaming, obviously one of the uh, two clubs in Manchester, the, the better one. Um, <laughs> we have a friendly rivalry with our rivals team, Stonehammer, who hosted the event. So, you know, went to their event and won it, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, but I couldn't have done it without those guys were on Facebook and the office, the Death Guard Facebook group as well, where, you know, as I was, as I was getting the wins, I was posting and keeping people updated. And it kind of went from, oh, go on, lad, good on you, to, wait, you can do this. You can do it. <laughs> just the, the support, because the last game, I literally had lockjaw at the start of the game because I'm that nervous and of a player. I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And just everyone's support and everyone there um, just really helps, like, you know, make me feel good about it. And I, I couldn't even care if I won or lost that last game at that point. I was just, was, I was like overwhelmed by how supportive everyone was and how awesome the hobby community can be and my club's community is. <laughs> That's what it's all yeah, it's about. It's great to hear it. It's awesome. All right, we'll see you in a couple minutes. Like what you just listened to? 
check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. TheArtOfWar40K.com